Welcome to Bible Fellowship Church's The Upper Room. Our podcast addresses the Christian's role in today's culture. We hope you enjoy it and find it informative. To help support our ministry, please consider becoming a subscriber and financial contributor. Links to donate are on our website at bfcforyou.org. Now let's get going. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Upper Room. You're hearing my voice, which means that we are doing another interview. And on this episode, I am joined by Chuck Bates. How are you doing tonight, Chuck? I'm good, Andrew. You doing good? I, I can't complain. I'm doing doing pretty good. I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. That's a good time of year. I'm looking forward to it. We're headed to Alabama. Nice. Yeah, it's probably my favorite holiday because it's a lot more low-key than Christmas, and I love all the food. So <laughs> I can't I can't argue with that. I, I love the food part of it myself. Yeah, so the way this is, is going to break down, we're going to kind of start at the beginning here. Let's, let's get to know you a little bit. Let's start at the very beginning. Tell us a little bit about where you were born and kind of where you grew up. Okay, uh, well, I was born, uh, you know, well, I'm from Thomasville and I was raised there. I can't say I was born there. I was born in Selma, Alabama. So because basically because nobody is born in Thomasville, it's, it's a small town. <laughs> and I, I say that. And uh, but my wife was actually born in Thomasville. So uh, oh, she's she made a liar few, out of you. Yep, she's one of the few that uh, yeah. was born in Thomasville. So. But anyway, uh, born in Selma, raised in Thomasville, which is about, you know, y'all always have to tell people that uh, Thomasville is like two hours straight north of Mobile. It's like 99 miles uh, mm. on Highway 43, just straight north of Mobile, because it's in the middle of nowhere, pretty much a town of about 5,000 people. Uh, yeah. And so that's that's where I grew up. I guess kind of leading into where we're, we're going with this, were you, were you a kid? Were you growing up in the church? Were you, uh, did you kind of accept Jesus as a, as a younger person or was that something that you discovered a little bit later in life? Well, no, it was very, very early. I was five years old when I accepted Christ as my savior. So, um, but my mother and daddy were both (laughs) believers. Um, my grandparents um, were believers. Um, I was I was brought up in church from 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 the very beginning, so okay. I always had the benefit and the privilege of that. My mother and daddy taught me about Jesus from uh, a very young age, and uh, so there I, I attended church just right outside of uh, Thomasville, a little town called Dixon Mills, where. Uh, some of my grandparents were from, and it was a little small independent Baptist church uh, is where we attended um, when I, while I was growing up. Now, later on, when we talk about uh, when I met, uh, started dating my wife, I, I swapped over to her church, uh, which was <laughs> Thomas yeah. Baptist because, you know. You go to church where your girlfriend was going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So you were you were fortunate to to kind of grow up in that 
environment for your whole your whole childhood, your whole life to do it was always kind of a part of your life. Was that something that it was just normal to you? Did you ever kind of push back on that? As uh, growing up, when I when I first was saved, they people had to pull me back. I'm talking about it at five and six years old. I wanted everybody to be saved. You know, I thought everybody <laughs> needed to be yeah. saved. So I, uh, at, at a very young age, I probably had to be, um, you know, you can't, everybody's not going to believe this, you know? So I, I couldn't understand right. that why everybody wouldn't want to believe that and be saved. And, uh, but it's, you know, growing up, you know, as I got older, you know, um, I didn't always, obviously, um, right. You know, not everything always, uh, worked out picture perfect, you know, and of course uh, it was a good, I had a very good upbringing. I can say that. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, I didn't always stick to my upbringing. I, I was right. plenty of, there has been plenty of discipline that had to be involved in my life, <laughs> uh, especially from my parents and, uh, right. It was, I had a very good childhood. Very, my mother and daddy raised me very well. Are you an only child? No, I have a brother and a sister. My brother was a year younger than me. Um, and my sister is, I believe, five years younger than I am. So I have a brother okay. and a sister. And, and then I had, uh, you know, a lot of family in the area. Right. That, but Thomasville, back to Thomasville, it was a, um, uh, you know, it was uh, most of the people there were church going people and it wouldn't be like the Gulf Coast at Mississippi or it wouldn't be like uh, South Louisiana, like where I'm at. You know, this it, it was the Bible Belt and there, most people attended a Baptist or a Methodist church, you know, um, majority and 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 uh, in the worldview, uh, everybody had a. I don't want to say not everybody lived consistently with a biblical worldview, but pretty much everybody was raised with that. Even, you know, I, I went to public school uh, in Thomasville pretty much my whole, uh, with the exception of a, a few years, uh, uh, I went to public school all the way through. And um, the teachers, um, and, and this isn't everybody, but most of the teachers in that whole area, that, that was, they were, a lot of them were believers. You had that world, right. that biblical worldview influence from everybody. Yeah. And, and also, um, uh, the air, the area is, is Thomasville is really not known for anything. Uh, but it has like five paper mills around, uh, <laughs> uh so everything is built around, uh, the paper industry. So you have uh, lots of timber, lots, you know, if it is something that's not in that uh, industry is supporting that industry. So the reason the banks right. are there is because of the paper industry, the reason the, the schools are there is because of the paper industry. So if the paper industry ever goes away, Thomasville will probably, uh, you know, it, it'll probably go down to a hundred people, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, paper's probably, I mean, a lot of stuff's moving to digital, but we'll probably always need paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and my dad has, uh, he, he's been in the paper, he's been working in the same paper mill, uh, for over 40 years. So, uh, and he's been wow. in the paper industry close to 50 years now. So and wow. he's in his seventies. He's still going at it. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but let's, let's circle back to meeting your wife. 
Okay. All right. Well, me and Wendy are, are from the same hometown, and uh, I probably knew Wendy from an early age. We went to vacation Bible school. Uh, my mother had this big church van that um, when every every year during Bible school, um, as a kid, she would drive around and pick, pick up, I don't know, we would have probably, that van probably had a 15 person capacity. It was a humongous van. And, right. But we probably had 20 or 30 kids in there, you know, we were all, <laughs> of in course. There and, and, and Wendy, uh, you know, of course this, the little church there in Dixon Mills, it, it's about nine miles outside of Thomasville, but, uh, the little church there, it had a, a very good Bible school. It was known for the Bible school it had. And, um, there, they were just piles of kids. So I met, I probably met Wendy there. I didn't really know her well, you know, we were young. And then later on in high school, um, I would have been a junior in high school and, and Wendy's two years younger than me. So she would have been in ninth grade. Um, we, we met and probably started talking on the telephone then. (laughs) Right. Right. And then, and then that eventually led to dating and, um, so I met her and, and really I knew her, but I recognized her, uh, as somebody I really wanted to talk to when I was in about 11th grade. So, but, um, we, uh, we ended up dating and, uh, eventually got married. And, uh, now Andrew, you're going to want to hear this story. Uh, so after I got out of high school, uh, I, I attended Liberty University for my first two years. Uh, did not come out. Of the, uh, didn't come out with a degree. I left there unsuccessful and joined the Navy. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I was in San Diego, California, uh, while I was in the Navy. And wow, uh, Wendy was going to the University of Mobile. She was a freshman at uh, University of Mobile. So um, you know, we had been dating for a long time. I knew her parents well. But anyway, uh, she needed to, she came out on a trip to San Diego and, um, uh, we drove to Las Vegas and got married. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, we That's did, awesome. there was a wedding that was being planned at the time, but we decided we couldn't wait. And, right. and, and, uh, I had to avoid Wendy's daddy. Like he was the plague or something for, for about probably six <laughs> months or so, but he finally oh, yeah. got over it. <laughs> Uh, I'm kind of jealous, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's something uh, we always laugh about. Uh, and, and I don't think it was funny to Wendy's parents at the time, but now they, they can laugh. We can all joke about it now, you know, that we eloped to Las Vegas. So, and that's hilarious. I, I figured we got the odds on uh, one of the longest marriages in Las Vegas, you know? So we, yeah, you know, we're March, March of, uh, 1994. Wow. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Did you ever do like a, like a celebration or a ceremony or anything like to, to kind of include the families or did you, you just kind of rolled at the, the Vegas wedding and that was it? Well, it, it, that's, that's a long story right there. So uh, <laughs> I can tell you this, um, I wanted to go through a drive through to get married and Wendy said, no, we got to get out of the truck. <laughs> And, and we at least got to go in somewhere. So we, we actually yeah. bought a, a marriage license. I think it was 9 p.m. in Las Vegas. You could buy a marriage license at the courthouse. 
and, wow. and we got married. Uh, we did get out. We didn't go through the drive through this. We got married at a little place called the hitching post. <laughs> <laughs> he, it, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the claim to fame of this place is Elvis got married there, you know? Right, right. Sure he did. Yeah. But you know, you know, like a hundred places claim that, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man. So then, uh, you two have kids? Oh, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. I have, um, we have three boys. Uh, Jake's my oldest one. Um, you know, I work for Shell Pipeline for 15 years. And, and of course, uh, July 31st was my last day with them. Um, I took a severance package. And, um, but Jake, um, during that, uh, during the years, he was able to come out and work with me on some of the platforms. And, hmm. and, uh, he ended up getting hired with Shell. So he works on an offshore platform, really the same. Okay. He's on the, the last platform that I was on. So he works for Shell Pipeline now on a platform. Uh, Tate, my middle son, um, and, and of course, Jake is married to his wife, McKinley. And uh, he has, uh, I have a grandson. His name is Lincoln. And so my, my middle son is Tate. He is, um, Tate, I believe is 20. And he he is a farrier. He, he likes to, uh, do horseshoeing and and he rides with uh, some farriers. Okay. This, this he ride he's like he rides a route with some farriers that's been doing it a long time, and then he has his own that he does. Okay, uh, and then of course y'all know my most people know my youngest son Will. He's he's right. at uh, he's usually at church with us, and uh, so Will is my youngest, and he is uh, he's fifteen. Okay. So you uh you touched on it briefly there, but can you tell us a little bit more about you know what you do outside of ministry? You said that you worked for Shell Pipeline and that came to an end. Uh, but like, what did you do when you were working there? And then since that's come to an end, like, what are you kind of looking towards moving into next? Okay. Um, well, with Shell, uh, when, when I as when I left Shell, I was doing I was basically an automation specialist. So uh, you have industrialized computers that that run the automation um, with the valves and all the different equipment on the platforms. So that is run by computer systems, and those industrial computers uh, have to be maintained and they have to be uh, programmed, and it's um, this, most of the programming is done in a uh, relay, uh, a ladder logic, uh, which is built for, um, which was designed for electricians. So I started out with Shell Pipeline as ENI, electrical instrumentation, and then um, this the, moving into automation is kind of a, a next step from from that. If if a person desires to do that. If he enjoys the program, there is some programming uh, part to mm-hmm. it. But uh, I think, Andrew, me and you had talked about this before. It's not uh, – I came into it from the electrical side and um, understanding the equipment, and then I was able right. to go in and write some code uh, that was based – the code was based on some relay ladder logic, which is a, like if you look at uh, the control schematics. I don't want to go in too deep here, but – if you look at control <laughs> schematics, uh, it has uh, contacts and coils, 
and and you can set it up logically to where uh, inputs uh, like sensors and switches and things in the field will come on and it actually turn an output on. And, um, and then you have analog, uh, instrumentation equipment that, uh, uh, that's not digital stuff that are, that's feeding into the computer and you can look and compare, uh, uh, the different, uh, scales or, or the ranges on whatever these instruments are, whether it be a level or a temperature transmitter or something that's feeding that. And you can start motors and, uh, open and close valves and control, uh, different processes with with the uh, with these industrial computers. So that's how instead of having people there doing everything, all you know, you'd have to uh, have so many people out there that uh, the computer basically takes care of this. And, right. and so that's that's what I what I did when I left Shell. And but like I said, I worked in that. I worked into that. Uh, you can come into that position from two different ways. Engineers come into that. And they enjoy doing it. And technicians that have been in the field that have that have done the relay ladder logic uh, kind of naturally uh, go that way because of the way the code is written. Gotcha. So, so that that's the what I ended doing at Shell Pipeline, and and I had also done that before Shell Pipeline. It uh, I'd been in the automotive industry, uh, worked at a couple of uh, automotive plants where they had robotics and. Uh, before I, I worked a job at Shell. So do you do you mind me asking why you left or why that came to an end? Well, it was um, it was um, the way things were moving in the company. Uh, it was it was a good time to leave, and I was also uh, the way there was a lot of cutbacks going on at the time. Right, and I had. Uh, eventually been able to come in and work on land all the time and with all the cutbacks i would have to go back offshore and, okay yeah and and being on that rotation was was tough uh, you can it, it was nice and and the time off was really nice when when you're at home on a rotation but there's everybody's got an end on you know some people can go their whole career doing that but i i had enough or you know years before uh I'd had enough of the rotation and I'd come in and I spent several years in on, but, uh, with all the cutbacks, it was, it was go back offshore. And I did, I went back offshore for a while, but when they, they had a round of severance packages that, uh, that was a really good deal. And it ended up working out really good for me because, uh, this kind of leads into the next question, uh, yeah. that you talking about what, what we're going to do, what I'm, what's my plans. Well, I'd already started, uh, you know, I'd had a background of working uh, or taking school through Tyndale. Uh, it was uh, Pastor Don that I took my first Greek class with at uh, at Bible Fellowship. So that was back in 2014, I believe. Uh, we'd taken oh, that wow. class and I'd taken uh, Thessalonians class there. And um, But anyway, uh, it was uh, Tyndale really uh had a, made a big impact on me because i also there's there's a gap here that i'm gonna have to circle back around to right quick uh um, i had went uh to seminary in new orleans back in 2002 to 2004 and um you know we it was in between a job i was it was after my navy but before shell 
is in that okay. time period there where we, you know, me and the family packed up and we moved to New Orleans and uh, it was level college. So it was an undergrad part of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. So at level, um, um, I spent um, two years at that at that school. But at the school, I realized that uh, there was a lot. Uh, there was a lot of good people there, but there was a lot of teaching there uh, that was different than what I had been taught. I had been taught a lot of, um, you know, like the rapture and a real millennial kingdom was going to happen one day, and uh, I had, you know, just and when I got to level, I realized, hey, I'm one of the few people that believe that, you know, here. Mm. And, and it really, it really just, uh, I don't, it didn't sit well with me. I didn't understand why, um, my, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, why, why there were so many different beliefs there, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't understand it. And, um, but anyway, that, that sets up why I like Tyndale so much because, yeah. um, Tyndale, uh, I knew I was dispensational. I had, uh, and you know, like I said, level and New Orleans Baptist, there may be some there, but it's not many. And, and basically I went to try to find some people that believe like I did, because, you know, I was having discussions every day at school about, um, about what I believed. And there was so many people that different, I couldn't figure out why, uh, why everything was so different. So I found, um, uh, Dr. Ryrie. I knew he was a, uh, a dispensationalist. So I started reading basic theology and that, that helped me, but I found somehow I found Dr. Mal Couch and Dr. Christopher Cone. And I, I, I saw that, um, they were dispensationalists. So I started reading some of their material and I'm like, uh, and, and it started out, uh, Andrew, I, I, I need to be, you know, it was more about me being right uh, and them <laughs> being wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was, right. I, I yeah. need, you know, I, I can't understand this. But as I started uh, listening to uh, everybody at Tyndale, and of course, that's where I found out about Don, by the way. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I started listening to them and they taught a literal grammatical historical what they call a hermeneutic or a, a literal method of Bible interpretation, a, a normal method of Bible interpretation. And so I said, what are they, you know, hermeneutic, what are they talking about? And, you know, I'd heard some of that at level, uh, but I, I started reading a lot about that and understanding uh, why people, you know, how they draw their conclusions. And, and of course, um, with Dr. Cohn, Dr. Couch, and, and also, when Dr. Trest, when I got with him uh, at Bible Fellowship, that really helped me out to understand. And and really, instead of me going to prove my position, I started seeing um, the truth. You know, it started being we're searching for truth here, and yeah. and when and that's what the hermeneutic is all about. We're trying to understand what did God say, what did our author say to that audience, without me reading any of my biases into it. And, and of course, Tyndale was huge on that. And of course, I'm hoping I got around, I didn't belabor this thing too far because the point, no, that's no, the point good. I'm trying to make is, yeah. is the, it, the, 
Tyndale was huge on, I'm not going to really try to indoctrinate you so much. They didn't really make a big deal out of being dispensationalists, even though they were. But what they were trying to show was it is a normal method of Bible interpretation that, and, and using that normal method of Bible interpretation consistently, that is the difference. And it really is. It really is. It's that it becomes that simple in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and, and so far, you know, I've, when I first started seeing that, um, it, um, I started seeing, okay, I'm looking at how people draw their conclusions now, instead of letting somebody just, just teach me what they think. Okay. It starts making me think, okay, how are you drawing your conclusions on this? And so Tyndale teaches that they want you, uh, pastor Don teaches that, uh, uh Dr. Uh, Cone teaches that, uh, every, the Tyndale, the whole Tyndale group is about, okay, how you, you need to understand how the reason behind us drawing these conclusions and not so much, just don't listen to what I'm telling you. Right. So, so that was a big deal. And, and believe it or not, that actually, uh, increased my knowledge of the Lord and it brought me closer to the Lord. So instead of trying to prove my position on dispensationalism, it ended up helping me grow as a believer because now yeah. I became somebody that was searching for truth and not just to try to prove my position. Right. So mm-hmm. that was a big deal to me. And that was a big change when, and, and really, and it wasn't until I started that type of discovery to realize, Hey, I'm an immature believer. I, there's a lot of growth. And of course I knew that before, but this really exposed uh, my lack of growth as a believer. Uh, and, and when I saw that, uh, you know, the, the word and getting in the word and really understanding from the standpoint of what does the Lord have to say here? Uh, it's that, that really started causing the growth. Yeah, that's I awesome. Ho- I hope so, that made sense. I, I went around a long way to make that point, and I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> no, that's the whole point. We want to yeah. we want to get inside your head a little bit here. Yeah. But you you are moving forward with Tyndale. That's part that's part of your plan after leaving uh, Shell. That's kind of how this the, that whole conversation started. Is your that's your next step? That's what you're planning on doing is pursuing that further. Yeah. Well, right at right now. Um, um, you know, we had some hurricane damage here, so that kind of set us back a little bit. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad right. for us. There was a lot of people in the area had bad damage, but we were good. But it, um, I can't tell you, Andrew, the mercy that God has had on me as far as being allowed this severance package and being able to do so much of these studies here and just knock them out uh, during this time, it has allowed yeah. me to really just focus and the growth that has come from it. I, I can't explain to you how much mercy God has had on me on this. I, it's, it's hard to explain, but there, there has really been, uh, a big growth process here in the last, um, really last two years. And, uh, and then again here, um, with the, since July 31st, I have, that's what I've been doing is just studying the scriptures and, and taking my classes at Tyndale. So I do plan on going back to work. Uh, don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet. Yeah. Uh, but we have set, uh, to, so I got, 
a big load to get off uh, of classes to get off by the end of November or maybe roll in the first of December. And then I'll throttle back. I mean, that will leave me just, uh, I believe after this, this uh, group of classes that I finish here this month, that'll leave me 14 hours to complete my bachelor's degree. It's been a long, <laughs> it's been a long time coming on this one, but at least oh, about awesome. 14 hours. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I plan on finishing right there with, uh, uh, Pastor Don is going to be teaching the Hebrew classes. So that's pretty much all I have left. Um, but anyway, I, I plan on finishing that. And, you know, obviously, and going back to work somewhere, I can't tell you where I'm going. I don't know. I mean, I yeah. really, we've really been praying about that. Uh, how, how, um, you know, what really been seeking out what the Lord wants me to do, but we, we're going to step forward. And, and if uh, I definitely want to be involved in the ministry at Bible Fellowship Church. I mean, it's really, I'm so thankful for Bible Fellowship Church. It's a, a group of believers there that really hold the Bible. It's not just lip service there. When they talk about the scriptures there, they are really honored the Word of God at Bible Fellowship Church. And that's that's the reason that, uh, you know, that's the reason we drive two hours to get there, you know, right now is because of the way they hold the scriptures there. That's not, that's not easy to find. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I'm looking forward to doing ministry with with uh, your dad and the elders there at, at Bible Fellowship and, and the group of believers there. Um, and then, you know, how how I'm employed uh, or, how, you know, hopefully I'm looking to get a job in that area. Yeah. And, and with the. You know, like I said, in December, the classes will be backing off and that's going to leave me plenty of time to start looking for an employment there. Yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned, you know, working with my dad and with the elders and stuff at, at BFC. So what what kind of ministries are you currently involved in or have been involved in? Yeah, obviously, you're you're spending a lot of time and energy with your Tyndale classes, but I know you've you've preached a couple of times at, at church and stuff. So what other what other kind of things are you doing? That's well. Uh, that's been the main thing is uh, when uh, Pastor Don and and the elders there give me opportunities to uh, teach from the pulpit. That's you know that's been a great opportunity and a learning experience for me. And 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 just a uh, an oppor- I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to do that. And then also uh, it's uh, some video. Um, video ministry on the horizon it looks like and, and yep. um, as i get next month and as i get moved over there hopefully that that can pick up some and so i'm uh, looking forward to that we we've been talking about i know you were uh involved in that some too so hopefully we can get that off the ground or maybe some people have already but uh hopefully i can get involved in that when i get over there yeah that'd be awesome so that that kind of um you know one of the questions that we kind of like to bring this plane to a landing with is like what what kind of skills do you do you br- see yourself bringing to the table and I think you know you mentioned having interest in the video you know stuff at the very least but you know bringing some skills to that what what other things do you think that uh that you either could see yourself fitting in or that you're looking forward to tr- like trying to be a part of Yeah well Andrew, I'm very limited on skill, <laughs> but, uh, so humble. Well, 
I think you'll find out that's true. Uh, uh-huh. But anyway, um, just uh, that, you know, being able to teach um, is, but uh, and focusing on knowing and doing and teaching the word. So knowing the word first, that's, this is really, it's, it's really this simple. And when I get out is it, from, from here. And when I get there, this should never change. Uh, it's about knowing the Lord, first of all, and, and staying in the scriptures, putting on the full armor every day, yeah, uh, continuing to grow every day. Uh, there's, you know, we can't ever let our guard down because, it doesn't matter how far along we are on this path, you know, at any moment we can let our guard down and, and, you know, we'd be in peril, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, continue to grow myself in the word and, and then take care of the responsibilities that the Lord has given me with my family, uh, you know, and, and then my church family. Uh, and so if, if the Lord allows me to continue to teach and he continues to give opportunities in that area, I want to be able to do that. And, um, you know, like with the video and with teaching, with Pastor Don giving me opportunities to teach there, I want to continue to do that. Um, and uh, just in any other way uh, in the community, uh, just different outreach opportunities. I know that um, I've heard several conversations going on at church that I would like to be involved in, but. And, and hopefully that'll work out one of these days when I get over yeah. there. You know, everybody, I hope everybody knows uh, that I am living in Homa, Louisiana at the moment. So we're, we're right. trying to move <laughs> to the area. So it's a bit of a bit of a trick. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, that's pretty much all I've got for you. Is there anything else that you want to say or want to mention or or any final thoughts before we close this one out? Uh, Andrew, I, just, I'm just thankful. I don't, I don't know if I've said this enough. I am so thankful for Bible Fellowship Church. I'm thankful for the elders there that have really taken me in, and I'm thankful for the 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 people there that uh, that really make me feel at home when we come over there. And 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 I'm thankful for them. And, and that's, I hope I've made that clear enough. You know. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you. So, hopefully, you can get moved over here pretty soon, and won't be quite uh, won't be quite the journey anymore. But uh, <laughs> it's been a awesome. good journey. Yeah. Well, uh, before we close this one out, I just want to you know let anybody out there that's listening if if you enjoyed this, if you find it helpful, if you want to if you want to uh, help us out, it would be really helpful if you could leave a rating or a review anywhere that, you, that it allows it. If you use Apple podcasts is definitely the main one. Um, and then, you know, let us know that you enjoyed it. And also if you could just be praying for, you know, the ministry and, and our church and, and what we've got going over there. And that's, that's about it for me. Uh, Chuck, would you mind closing this out in prayer? Okay. Father, we're so thankful for the opportunities that you've given us. We thank you for this podcast and thank you for Andrew and his willingness to serve in this area. In this, uh, Lord, thank you for Bible Fellowship Church. Uh, thank you for the commitment that uh, they have to the word. Thank you that uh, we know this uh, is your word that equips us, Lord. And I just pray that it will continue to be taught like like it has been there, Lord, and that people will, uh, uh, as, 
as members of the church, uh, we'll continue to allow it to shape the way we think, shape who we are, and um, you know, can cause us to continue to grow, Lord. And we're so thankful for these opportunities. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today and found it thought-provoking. The Upper Room is a Bible Fellowship Church production. The opinions discussed by our guests are just opinions and random thoughts at the time of recording and do not necessarily reflect the doctrine or stated beliefs of Bible Fellowship Church. Thank you.